But right now, I'm going to give you an executive summary. This is the broad brush strokes at a 30,000 foot level. And at the end, there'll be an opportunity for you to ask some questions. And indeed, some of those questions will form the basis of longer conversations about these topics in January and in February. So bear with me with the executive summary. I'm a teacher, too. And I know that attention spans last at 15 or 20 minutes. So that's the kind of scope of this talk now. Now, this talk is entitled, One School, Colin, uh, Moving Forward. One School is the conceptual framework for this vision. All right, now, this is going to start with a mouthful here. And it gets more exciting than this. But what is One School? One School is an intentional, mission-driven, collaborative, integrated learning um, a community and a community that involves students, faculty and staff, and parents that's connected across grade levels by coherent, consistent approach to teaching and learning. I'm going to drill down into this, so um, it'll make a lot more sense here. After the colon, I had um, moving forward. Moving. I don't believe that any School, any institution should be static, should restlessly be pursuing improvement, getting better. Forward. Forward from a strong foundation of where we are now. I've talked a lot about this tribal sense of family at Far Hills, and we're building on that. The outstanding teaching and teachers that, uh, that are here presently. We are preserving that going forward. The balance that is inherent in our mission. All of these are the things that we are preserving even as we are moving forward. All right, so let's dive in here. Now, the talk is basically organized around why, how, and what. So first, why are we doing this? And I think you always need to start with the mission. And our mission has a couple of parts to it. Strength of mind and strength of character in the first part and uh, preparing each child for success in the modern world is the second part. So let me start with that second part. Now, the world around us is changing rapidly. I think about our pre-kindergartners who won't be in the workforce for another 20 years, or if they move back into home after college and go to graduate school, maybe 25 years. And I think backwards now, 25 years ago, I was just starting to use email on a regular basis. Just think how rapidly the world is changing. Schools have to change to prepare students for a world that we don't really understand yet. It has to be fluid. Schools have to change, too. Strength of mind and strength of character. And I've talked a lot about this in my blogs, how I see these not as separate, but, but overlapping concepts. In fact, there was a recent report from Brookings that came out that talked about how uh, uh, character skills predict success in life as much, if not even more, than academic skills. We've done a fine job here. I've talked a lot about self-control, gratitude, play, as being really important not just for your character skills, but for your mind skills. And that leads into a lot of research and best practices that have to inform this vision going forward. And it talks about the intersection between strength of mind and strength of character. 
think it's really important to pay keen attention to the developmental needs of our students. Right? And the vision, the one school philosophy pays keen attention to that. We want to minimize the transitions in our students. I put my dad hat and I realize how badly my boys can transition from one activity to the next and extrapolate that to an institution. We want to make sure that those steps are incremental so you're not having huge changes. And all this about, in the end, we want to prepare our students to be competitive in the admission process and successful in the best day in boarding schools. That's what this is all about in the end. That's why we are doing this. That's why I'm articulating this one school philosophy. So how did we get here? I mentioned uh, last year being asked a question for the first time about my vision. Since then, and I, I talked earlier in the year about listen, learn, and lead. Since then, I've had dozens of conversations with the board, with faculty and staff, with parents, with alums. Uh, since I arrived here in January, I've had a conversation with every single faculty and staff member about their thoughts about the school and its future. I've worked hard to visit classrooms. I've also put in motion a number of different working groups, kind of giving them a charge around a challenge that we have here, uh, put together administrators, teachers, and parents, and trustees, and some experts, and their work and their recommendations inform this vision going forward. I also, as I mentioned, I'm, I think it's really important for us to focus on the research and best practices in, um, in the field. So that's how we've gotten to this moment. All right, now we get to the what. What is this all about? So I'm going to talk about, in particular, the what in terms of the organization of the school next year, the curriculum, and accountability. All right, so stick with me here. I think it's really important, as I said before, that we want to focus on the developmental needs of our students, of our, of our children. The structure and organization of the school should flow from that. It shouldn't be the other way around, where you have a structure and try to, to shoehorn in the the developmental stages of our students' lives. So we're going to look at a couple of those inflection points, in particular looking at uh, pre-K, which will be multi-age, three and four-year-olds in the same classroom with flexible options, flexible full-day and half-day options. The research tells us that that setup is good both for the three-year-old students and for the, and for the, the four-year-old students. Pay particular attention to that moment over that two-year span. We will continue to have a homeroom-based system for grades kindergarten through fourth grade. That makes sense. And here is one of the changes for next year. We're going to look at kind of a house system concept. The fifth and sixth grade together as a unit. There'll still be a distinct fifth grade and sixth grade, but in terms of the curriculum, the scope and sequence of the uh, curriculum, the way that the teachers will work together, um, it'll be under a house system concept. We'll be doing the same thing in seventh and eighth grade. You know, fifth grade next year is going to retain the homeroom concept, even as the students increasingly uh, go to dis discipline-based classes. Sixth grade is going to retain you know, their lockers, their advisors, and changing classes. But again, it's going to be conceived of as a, as a unit uh, with the goal of the seventh and eighth grade house system intentionally preparing students for ninth grade, the fifth and sixth grade house preparing students for seventh and eighth grade. 
In the fifth and sixth grade, we really want to preserve the best elements of childhood while giving them more. They are ready for more of an upper school um, experience. I think that's really important. So what is the leadership going to look like? Well, we recognize, of course, that from pre-K through fourth grade, there are certain common developmental needs. And we're going to have a director of the lower school. And Diane for Stacy will be the director of, of the lower school next year. Uh, we'll have a director of the upper school who will look at grades 5 through 8. And we are in the uh, first stages of a search process for the, for the director of the upper school. In fact, we have retained Educators Collaborative, the firm that did the head of school search last year to help us with that search. And there's a new role, a director of teaching and learning. And I've appointed Jennifer Phillips to this role. And in particular, looking at this one school philosophy to make sure that the scope and sequence of the curriculum, making sure that uh, the integration, the coherence, the, the developmental needs of the students are being met at each step of the way is going to be a key uh, role and purpose of the director of teaching and learning. All right, we turn from the um, organization to the curriculum. And again, some guiding principles behind what, what we're doing here. Coherence, continuity, rigor, intentionality, begin with the end in mind. And I, I'll pick up on this again. I think it's really important to design backwards. As you know, I'm a, I came from a secondary school, and, and my expertise really is in what a good ninth grade student uh, needs to know and be able to do. And that's why I said before, the seventh and eighth grade house is really going to be keenly focused on preparing students for that next step into high school. The fifth and sixth grade house, really preparing students to make that step up to the seventh and eighth grade. The fourth grade experience to prepare them uh, for the fifth and sixth grade house, and, and so on. Backwards planning, backwards design. All right. Here is something uh, that will be a bit new here. I really want to focus on having a clear articulation of the Far Hills educational philosophy that's going to span this one school concept from pre-K through eighth grade. Some elements of this you'll recognize as some things that we do presently. We want to do it in, in an even more intentional manner. And some of this will represent some new thinking here. So because this is so important, I'm going to dive into each one of these a bit more. All right, personalization and, and individualization. We've talked a lot about um, differentiation here. And I want to complement that concept with personalization and, and individualization. It's a mouthful. I think often people, when they hear differentiation, uh, hear remediation. And it's more than just that. You want to help students who need additional support. But you want to challenge students who need more. And I think this concept of personalization and individualization gets at that, gets at something that we, that we currently do, with the concept of there's no limit to a child's learning and growth. So we really want to continue to build that out in the school in a really intentional manner. This next concept, a growth mindset, has been uh, in the educational world for, for some years now, thanks to the work of Carol Dweck. And it, it, it's uh, in contrast, contrast to a fixed mindset. And it's a notion that your brains and talent is just the starting point. It's hard work, it's practice that allows you to get the most of your abilities. And Carol Dweck gave a great example of what this looks like. She, when, I, when I went to a talk, she had up on her finger 
two rubber bands. There was a short rubber band and a, and a long one. He said, these rubber bands represent what you may have been born with in terms of your talent. Let's pick an area like math. And you would see, if in a fixed mindset, you would assume that that long rubber band meant that's what you were able to do in math. And the short one meant that you weren't, you weren't going to be as good. In reality, through practice, you can stretch that short rubber band to exceed the length of the long one. And that's what a growth mindset is all about. And I want to make sure that our students, our faculty, staff, and our parents fully understand this concept because it has implications for how we talk to, um, to our kids. And in fact, the summer read for the faculty is going to be Carol Dweck's Growth Mindset, and the first book in the Head of School Book Club next year is going to be Carol Dweck's, Carol Dweck's Growth Mindset. Again, talking about a community of learners to work on that vocabulary. Also want to identify and systematically develop some core thinking skills. Some of these are thinking skills that we currently teach and develop, such as thinking maps. And if you have some lower school students, you probably have seen a lot of that. But more than just that, uh, looking at some things, and we, and we, we built here the scientific um, methodology as a way to think about the, the world. Interesting in developing coding. Coding, in my mind, is about logical and sequential thinking, is what it's all about, um, and uh, critique in a systematic way. So this is a place where I will continue to work with the faculty to identify this, but then from pre-K to eighth grade, systematically developing these thinking skills. Project approach. We have a couple of signature projects here, the Eighth Grade Expo, uh, Adventure America in the third grade. And I want to make sure that in addition to some of those signature projects, that this comes down at even a smaller scale. What's key about a project approach, um, and you see some of the words up here, purpose, flexibility, creativity, but it's about an inquiry based to learning as opposed to knowledge on recall. You allow the students to identify a project, to get invested in it, they're often authentic, and the depth and retention of the learning is much greater. So in addition to those signature big projects, we want to make sure that we have some of those smaller projects as part of our, of our approach from pre-K to eighth grade. This last concept uh, about performance tasks and assessments. Um, it's probably easiest for me to uh, illustrate this with an example. Uh, if I wanted you to demonstrate your knowledge of grammar, I could go, I could give you a grammar test. I could give you some sentences with incorrect grammar and have you fix them. That's not a performance task. A performance task would be having you write a clean paragraph using proper grammar and want to increasingly introduce a performance task methodology to how we assess student understanding. Really, it's at higher level thinking skills if you do that well. It helps them actually learn and retain the the material better. So the vision here is top to bottom have a defining Far Hills philosophy around these five areas. So I've talked about this in the abstract. What are some concrete examples of how the curriculum and the program will look different? Well, one, picking up on the project approach, we're going to design a studio space in pre-K. These have been called a design lab or maker space. We want to have a space dedicated to the project approach. 
I'm really interested, too, as much as I said, I want to have the project approach apply on smaller scales, not these uh, larger ones. Uh, wants to develop a fourth grade expo. In part, we need to prepare fourth graders to move into the fifth and sixth grade house that uh, kind of mirrors the eighth grade expo. So where they are in terms of research and communication and organization to have some demonstration in a, a symmetrical complementary expo. We're going to have to continue to look at, again, the scope and sequence of the fifth and the sixth grade and the seventh and eighth grade, something that I feel strongly about a change for next year. Instead of having students select their world language in fifth grade, sorry, in sixth grade, we're going to have them pick that language in fifth grade. So we'll have a four-year arc to work on their, their Spanish or their Mandarin or French. They'll still pick up Latin in the, in the sixth grade. Also looking to moving science into becoming a core discipline in the fifth grade. And we'll give science some more contact minutes next year as we move in that direction. And all of this as we move to the house system uh, next year and the years to come will invite some interesting questions about the role of athletics in the fifth grade. As you know, I'm a, I'm a guy I like rituals. I like the falcon flutter and secret handshakes. And uh, I think that this new one school philosophy also invites some opportunities for some new rituals. Uh, had this come up in open form with the faculty and spoke some with the student government about how the fifth grade boys start wearing blazers and maybe the girls should have some other, uh, should also either wear blazers or have some other ritual symbol of moving into the fifth grade. I've been in conversation with the, with the student government about this. You know, I would love to have some moment where you, you know, move into the fifth and sixth grade house, into the fifth grade, and get your blazer and a, and a blazer patch or other ways to, um, have the, to, to mark those transitional moments here. All right, last thing, talking about um, accountability. And in the beginning of the year, I talked about minding the gap. You know, all institutions aspire to do something, the reality uh, is, is somewhere beneath their aspirations, and the best schools and, and institutions understand that there's a gap and constantly try to close it. So it's going to be important. I just laid out this grand vision of, of what we want to go ahead and do, that we are accountable to it. I think it's really important to have data to inform your practice. Uh, one of my favorite lines is that um, the plural of anecdote is not data. All right? You actually have to get hard data to help you out uh, all along to get into the cycle of, of improvement. So some things that we'll be doing, and uh, I drill this down in terms of strength of mind and strength of character. We currently now um, have students take the ERBs. They just finished taking the ERBs, and we will continue to do that. The ERBs help us understand things like reading comprehension and math skills. But we're going to um, add and work with the college and work readiness um, assessment. This is a performance task assessment. It is one that focuses on thinking skills, critical thinking, problem solving, scientific methodology, quantitative reasoning. Um, so this assessment really focuses on higher order thinking skills. And the college and work readiness assessment is part of a portfolio of assessments uh, that include things at the college level called the collegiate learning assessment, at the high school level, the college and work readiness assessment plus, and are now moving into the middle school. Unlike we were pioneers working with the mission skills assessment, 
will be on the front edge of using this tool. And, and frankly, I think that standardized testing across the country is moving in this, di in this direction over the next couple of years. Strength of character, we already work with the mission skills assessment in the upper school. And the mission skills, for those of you who, um, who don't know about it, uh, talks about things like creativity, curiosity, ethics, teamwork, uh, resilience. Um, and the mission skills assessment looks to assess how well we are developing those skills um, in our students. But I'm, I'm looking to add to this, and this is a new concept of, of these Far Hill folios uh, from pre-K to eighth grade. And, and here's the concept, that um, once a month or so, students will come home with a portfolio of their work from the last month. Maybe some examples of their best work, maybe some areas where they've struggled, or areas of improvement. And with it will come a rubric around those mission skills that I just mentioned, curiosity, creativity, teamwork. Uh, where the teacher in grades pre-K through four, the teacher will actively pull together the materials for the portfolio and will write some comments about how the student is developing each of those areas with a summing comment about how we're working towards a growth mindset. Fifth grade through eighth grade, we'll, we'll flip it a bit and have the student take responsibility for curating his or her own materials to go in this portfolio working with his or her advisor, and we're doing a self-assessment of how he or she is developing those skills. So a really intentional way of developing those skills and giving us some data as to how our students are, are developing in those areas. So all that's in the first year, so, but, it, but, it, but it's an ongoing process. We'll, we'll, we'll go into the second year and continue to complete a lot of the curricular and programmatic changes. But then there's a real opportunity to have the schedule support the program. So we'll have to do a review of, of the schedule in the second year. And then I think there's a great opportunity to look at all of our spaces, look at the design of our classrooms, look at the design of our cafe, to make sure if we are undertaking a project approach, for example, that the space is supporting our, um, our philosophy. And that's an exciting project, too. So in the end, I want to clearly define what Far Hills is and what it is not. And Far Hills is, these are the words I'd love people to talk about. This is the vision. Far Hills is intentional, integrated. It's mission-driven, purposeful, accountable, and coherent. That's what this vision is, is, is working towards. In the end, it all comes back to the mission. Uh, missions are fluid and alive. They need to be reinterpreted and acted on. And in the end, this is all about living our mission to the best of our ability and serving our kids.